you all have done a wonderful job uh, engaging and connecting with our campaign this year. Our project for 2017 is the Light of Life Project. And at last I looked at it, we had well over 150 of you signed up uh, to participate and connect in some way. And I want to remind you gently, uh, and to those of you watching online, because you can sign up online as well, that uh, today is the last day that we have for you to sign up. And the reason for that is because we want you to be, we want our coordinators to be able to get started, to be able to say, this is the group of people we have committed. So if you've kind of been waffling and wondering about whether or not I should sign up, I, I would gently encourage you to do that today. Now, of course, we won't check IDs at the door or anything like that. We're not going to preclude you from participating. Just know that it will be helpful if you'd sign up today for both the coordinators and the ministries that we're serving. But thank you to those of you who have already signed up. I'll remind you, as we have last time, that there are uh, four different ministries that we are partaking in, helping, partnering with this year. Simple House, the coordinator for that is Laura Emery. The Soup Kitchen, the coordinators for that are Elroy and Marie Christie. Uh, Carpenter Place, uh, David and Sarah Holt will be the coordinators for that. And, of course, Celebrate Recovery with our very own Jeff and Jenny Martin. And they will be coordinating that. If you signed up for that, um, just all you have to do is wait. As the coordinators will be contacting you. I'm not exactly sure how, whether it will be by phone or by email, but we'll figure out the best way to do that. And they'll say, okay, here are the, based on the number of people we have signed up, here are the areas in which you can serve, and here's how often you can serve. Our challenge, again, has been in 2017 to challenge every Northsider to give at least $20 and 17 hours toward one of these ministries. And, of course, if you want to be an overachiever, you're more than welcome to do that, but uh, at least one. And uh, if you have, uh, as you go along throughout the year and take a picture or two, if you wouldn't mind using the hashtag NSLights, that will help us keep track of how you all are letting the light of Jesus be conducted in your lives through your hands and your feet. And so we're excited for it. I'm very, very pleased with participation as we, uh, as we begin the year. Well, we are in the second lesson of the series called Reset, uh, when you're ready to begin again. And last week we talked about how Jesus is, going to, is the only true way to reset your life, to begin again. I'm always excited about this time of year. Um, part of me is just my youth ministry DNA. But you notice this morning a, a rather large gap here down front. And I'll explain to our guests uh, the reason for that. I mean, of course, the, the uh, anticipated ice apocalypse and so forth. But the, the large majority, you, uh, those who sit there, are usually our youth group. And currently they are uh, in Arlington, Texas for uh, a youth rally. Youth rally is kind of underselling it a little bit. There's about 5,000 other teenagers who are worshiping and learning and growing in Christ. And I always loved this time of year because I knew that even though this place was empty, I knew that they were being filled. And so I want to ask you, especially if you think of it today, or even just as you're, you know, sort of wandering mentally as I'm going off on some strange point or story, and you look there and you see that empty spot, why don't you just say a prayer for our teens as they uh, have been kind of finishing out this weekend, that they grow spiritually, they get closer to the Lord, and of course that they uh, get back safely as they travel uh, later on this afternoon. So please keep them in mind and think about... Uh, 
even as they start out this year with this new and exciting um, sort of spiritual boost, uh, in the same way, this Reset series is designed to do exactly that. August, 20, August 3rd, 2016, there was an airplane, Emirates Airlines, flight number 521. It was coming in for a landing at the Dubai International Airport. As it came down, it did land and touch down successfully. However, as they landed, there was immediately warning bells and signals in the cockpit telling the, the uh, captain and the flight crew that there was not enough room based on the speed they were going. They were going to run out of runway before they came to a full and complete stop, which would be a problem. And so they took immediate action and, and uh, revved up the engines and took off again, and the purpose being to circle around and go and do and take a second shot at it. They lifted up, but for, for whatever reason, the plane immediately landed and crashed into the runway and skidded almost a half a mile. Now, that's not the preferred way to land a plane. But it did land. And as they were skidding along and they come to a stop, in the middle of the, of the chaos and the fear, uh, one of the passengers took a video of what was happening. Now what's interesting is not the fact that the plane crashed, not the fact that they, uh, it's still intact, but what's interesting is what happened, this very troubling phenomenon that you will see, as the passengers are uh, sorting through the chaos, immediately you see them opening the overhead luggage compartment and hauling down their luggage. Seconds later, although there's no audio on this video, you will hear flight attendants as they work to evacuate all 300 uh, flight crew and passengers, leave your bags behind, which you would think is not something you would need to yell. But Flight 21 is not the only time this phenomenon has been observed. Grabbing your suitcase, in case you didn't know, during the evacuation of a plane is a very bad idea. It blocks the aisle as you retrieve it. It slows you down and slows other passengers down as well. It becomes a dangerous object when you're hurtling off that, looks like a really happy, fun slide, but... The evacuation slide becomes a dangerous place for passengers and giant pieces of luggage. In a situation where every second counts, a suitcase is a dangerous impediment that can kill you, slow you down, or potentially kill other people. And yet, as much as people logically understand that, here you see people leaving the plane baggage in hand. A study by the NTSB found that almost half of passengers attempt to retrieve their bags during an emergency. Crazy, huh? Crazy. You'd be surprised. You'd be surprised because sometimes, even when we're not on a plane, it's very easy to get your priorities out of whack. And that's what we're going to talk about this morning. How your priorities can get out of whack in your life not just with your luggage and what you can do about it when it happens. Now, if you haven't already opened your Bibles, your phone, your iPad, or whatever, turn to Matthew chapter 6, verse 31. 
the verse that David just read for us, read again these words. Therefore, do not be anxious, saying, what shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after all these things, and your Father knows that you need them. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. Therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. I love how the ESV puts this. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. And those of you who have been there, you realize the longer you live, the more you realize you're going to have enough trouble today without having to carry all the baggage of yesterday and worrying about all the baggage of tomorrow. And that's true. That's something that we get, but it's something that's harder to put into practice than we might think. If we stop for for a light of life moment, uh, what we're learning as we go through the series, especially in regard to our priorities, is we must seek the light first. And then life follows. Usually our approach is 180 degrees of that. Uh, Let me get my life right first, and then I'll worry about seeking the kingdom of God. But Jesus, in verse 33, says, seek first the kingdom of God. Put that in first place. Pursue my hopes, my dreams, my desires only after you pursue God's hopes and God's dreams and God's desires. Seek first the kingdom of God does not mean just go to church on Sunday. You see, it means putting Jesus first, putting his kingdom first every day. How would you go about that? Well, let's think about your time. Imagine for me just a moment that you're asleep. Some of you are already there. Thank you. You're lying there. And the alarm goes off. What is the first thing you instinctively do? Now, I'll tell you, I'll I'll confession time. uh, This little device right here charges right next to my bedstand. And for the past year and a half or two years, I've been getting in the terrible habit because it's my alarm. So I reach over and I grab it and I turn that alarm off. And then I begin to look and to scan. What do I have today? Check any messages that I got. Check social media. Read the news. I read my Bible on there. But but it was just this idea that the very first waking moments of my morning became about what this had to say. I don't know if you you are like that, but, but that was my first. I could say that I sought the kingdom of God first, but what I did... When it actually was the first few seconds of my day, the very first thing I did was reach for my phone. So I began this year starting a new habit. I started charging my phone on the other side of the room. I still hear my alarm. I still hear it go off. But I I have to consciously get up, turn it off, and say, that can wait. Sufficient for the day is the trouble that lies in that device. 
Now, I can then use that moment to sit or to lie down and just thank my father for another day of opportunity. That he has revived my lungs with his air. That he has opened my eyes to see things that he's created. He's given me this day. And I thank him for it. And I thank him for all the blessings that I can possibly think of. And so I'm starting my day with my father. Instead of starting the day with what everyone else wants me to think about. It gives me an opportunity to approach him in prayer. In prayer to think about what he wants for this day which he's given me. Have you wondered about that? When you wake up in the morning and God's given you another day to live, what was the purpose in him, in him giving you that day? Maybe it was to engage in conversation with someone you'll meet, a perfect stranger at the store, who's having a terrible life and who needs to know Christ. Maybe it's a, a classmate, a classmate that you don't get along with very well. And as you're sitting beside them, you realize you have the opportunity to show them mercy and grace and love. Perhaps it's a coworker, a coworker who up until this point has you've just been sort of at opposite ends. But today, God needs you to be Christ in their life. Today, God needs you to be the Bible that they will read. That's seeking first the kingdom of God, asking God, what, Lord, do you will? Let God use you for his purposes instead of just using God for your own purposes. And when you seek that light first, then the life, the life that Jesus talked about, the abundant life of John 10, 10 will flow and you'll begin to find purpose because you're doing the thing which the creator created you to do. Now, how do we know if you're not doing that? Well, a few warning signs. Number one, if you, if your fear exceeds your faith. Most of us, and this is a fantastic day to talk about this. Most of us, the things that we worry about and stress over and freak out about will not happen. As we were driving yesterday, I had to put some gas in the car and Tyler was with me. And I asked Chrissy if there was anything to pick up the store. And so we went to the store because we're insane. <laughs> and it was full of people who were freaking out. Because people had told them they needed to freak out. So we went in, we got our few things, we went through the line, we came out. And I talked to him about, you know, it is good to plan ahead. Bad things could happen. But the time to plan for when bad things are going to happen is not at the moment they begin to happen. The, the goal is to plan and prepare before that happens. What I told Tyler was you, you plan for the worst and you pray for the best. Sometimes bad things will happen and it's good to be prepared, but... Um, Boy, I cannot think of an easier job than a Kansas meteorologist. I mean, <laughs> what job can you get it so wrong and still walk in and have a job? I mean, that's fantastic. <laughs> let, me, let me get more pointed than that. What about 2016? 
What about 2016? Not this year, but last year. What were the things you worried about? Did those things happen? I'm guessing not. For most of the things that we worry and stew and fuss over never come to pass. It's that car accident that blindsides you literally on a Tuesday afternoon. It's the report from the doctor that says your child is going to have a, a lifelong health issue. It, it's that conversation that you don't see coming. You see, sufficient for the day is the trouble. And when you look at that trouble and you fear, that's trouble. That's trouble in and of itself. Don't let your fear exceed your faith. Number two, if your heart is far from him. You know, I, I'm not sure... What you have sat here in worship this morning thinking about. But if you thought about anything else besides worship and praise and adoring our Heavenly Father. About adoring and praising Him in song and in prayer and in scripture. In thinking of, of His supper to remember His Son. If you thought about anything else then there's parts of your heart which are far from Him. Jesus chastised the teachers of the religious leaders of his day, not because they weren't doing the right things. They surely were. But as they did the right things, their hearts were far from him. He said at the end of time, as the sheep and the goats are separated, there will be a group of people who will say, Lord, Lord, did we not do all of these things in your name? Did we not drive out demons and perform miracles? Did we not do all of these wonderful things? And his response will be simply, away from me. Why? Because you didn't do enough good? No. Away from me. Why? Because, because you weren't... Because you didn't know him. Because you didn't seek a relationship with him. What matters to you that doesn't matter to God... Can I say gently this morning that if it doesn't matter to God, it's really not worth worrying about. Recall the story of Jonah. Now, you know the story of Jonah, of course, or the story that he's most famous for about being in the belly of the great fish for three days and three nights and going to preach to the people of Nineveh. But there's a cool part at the end of that story. There's a cool part where God messes with Jonah. You see, Jonah gets comfortable as he's looking out toward this great city. And he's got this vine that's growing over him. And it provides him shade and comfort and cool and ease. And he becomes very happy about the vine. And so God does what a good, loving father does. He kills the vine. And Jonah gets sort of mad. He gets sort of huffy about that. And God says, you're concerned about the wrong thing. There's a whole city of men and women going to hell, and you're worried about a vine. You see, Jonah, though he was a prophet, at least at that very moment, his heart was far from God's. Because the things which mattered to the Lord did not matter to him. And the thing which mattered most to him did not matter to the Lord. What is it that's your vine? This morning, what, what have you let get in the way? You've become so comfortable, so at ease, so enjoy. And you've you've forgotten that though God is the source of all good and perfect gifts, his purpose in life 
is not to continually bestow you with everything that makes you happy. That God has a mission and a purpose, and he wants you to join him in it. Number three, you are carrying too much. You are carrying too much. Most of us, most, much of the things that you carry are unnecessary. The most common answer, the most common answer to the question, how are you? The most common answer to the question, how are you, is what? I'm fine. May also get, I'm busy. I'm busy. I just got all this stuff. I got, got all this stuff. I got kids stuff. I got my stuff. I got stuff with the wife. I got job stuff. I got things to worry about. I'm busy. I'm very busy. Can't you see how busy I am? And I'm fine. Busy is not necessarily a good thing unless you're doing the things that God needs you to do. If you are busy, as Jesus said in our Bible reading earlier this week, he said, I must be about my father's business. It's good if you're busy. I just want you to be the right kind of busy. And for all the other stuff that you drag around with you that makes you feel important, this baggage that you haul everywhere, it keeps you from spending time with your wife and children. It keeps you from going to church. It keeps you from doing your daily Bible reading. It keeps you from serving in the light of life because you're busy. You got all this stuff. Don't you see how important you are? And I say that this matters very little if it is not full of the things of God. So what is it that you are carrying that God didn't intend you to carry? That's keeping you busier than you ought to be. More stressed out than you need to be. Maybe it's material possessions. I was just looking at my closet. I could easily go through half of my closet and, and discard or donate clothes that I don't wear. Why in the world do I keep a closet half full of clothes that I do not wear? For what? For what purpose? Why do I have bookshelves with DVDs that I don't watch or books that I don't read? Why do we have rooms in our homes that we don't use? Why? What is the purpose? Our goal is to simplify. Maybe you are a person who has a little bit of emotional baggage. Relational baggage. You, you sort of feel like it's your goal and purpose in life to be a good listener. To let other people dump all their baggage on you. And you're carrying all this stuff that God never asked you to carry. Why are you doing that? I, I want you to repeat after me six simple words. Ready? Ready? Not my circus, not my monkeys. God gave you your own circus to manage, okay? And I'm not saying that you don't have it. I'm just saying you need to draw very clear boundaries. When people try to bring you into their drama and their problems, you need to ask yourself, is this what God intended me to carry today?
There were many times that Jesus withdrew from the crowds and went to lonely places because he had other monkeys to worry about. Jesus wants you to have fewer circuses and less monkeys. His yoke is easy, he said. His burden is light. So pay attention to his yoke and his burden and carry no more than that. So I'll leave you with two things that you can do. First, seek God first. Isaiah 41 verse 10. Well-known verse. The prophet says, fear not, for I am with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will uphold you by my righteous right hand. You see where the source of strength is going to come from? Most of us think, especially if we're one of those self-willed, type A driven personalities, I can handle it. When our children were young, both Tyler and Grace would, would at some point get to this point where they said two simple words, do self. I want to do self. That's cute with a three-year-old. That is, that is terribly unhealthy with a 33-year-old. God needs you to rely on him. If he thought you could do it, he would have asked you to be the Savior. He did not. You are not the Savior. You need a Savior. And it's his strength and his help and his provision that's going to sustain you. So seek him. Psalm 34, 4. I sought the Lord and he answered me and delivered me from all my fears. He did that, not you. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, which you know. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding, but in all your ways. Acknowledge him and he will make your paths smooth and straight. Can I make a confession this, this morning for you? This Light of Life project that we're doing is really scary. I mean, it's, for me... I don't know how it's going to go. I don't know how you guys are going to respond. I'm not sure what God's going to do. We've never done it. We have nothing to compare it to. It drives the type A control part of me just batty. But that is so good. It's so good when you stop trusting in your own understanding. When you start simply doing what's trusting in the Lord and doing what's right. Trust in the Lord. Do what's right. Seek him for your strength and your provision. And James 4, 8 says, when you draw near to God, he will draw near to you. So seek him and you'll find him. Not because of your efforts, but because more than you seeking him, he's seeking you. Do the matters of God matter to me? Does your relationship with him just for a question for you. Outside of saying a prayer at the dinner table. Outside of praying a prayer when someone asks you to at church. This week, looking backward. When did you talk to your father? When did you seek him out? In adoration, in praise, in thankfulness. When did you talk 
to your father. Now, I don't ask you that question to overload you with guilt. I ask you that, in, that question to inspire you on the first day of the week, because you can't undo what's, the, what's in the past. But starting today, I want to ask you to talk to your dad. Talk to your father in sincerity and reverence. Speak from your heart to him, not just when you're supposed to, but as you desire his heart, as you pour out your life to him, seek him with everything you have. Talk to him in your personal prayer life. Listen to him in his word. Yield to his spirit every single day. Serve him. By doing what he said to do, by feeding the hungry, by clothing the naked, by visiting the sick. Jesus said, whatever you did for the least of these, you did for me. So seek him with everything you have. And secondly and finally, leave your baggage behind. Uh, That can be all sorts of stuff. It can be your thoughts. It can be your relationships, it can be your stuff, it can be your worries, all the things that are distracting you from God. You need to get rid of some of that mental, relational, emotional, spiritual clutter is what it is. What do you put into your mind? What's the mental baggage? Some of you are very holy. I, I never watch television. I don't. I really don't. Okay, Netflix breath. That still counts, you know. I mean, I would never, ever sit down and watch television for 30 minutes at a time. But I'm going to go binge my whole favorite last season. I will spend the entire weekend watching this program that I like. And I'm not judging you for that. I've done it myself. My question is, what kind of stuff are you putting into your mind? What kind of baggage are you allowing yourself to be loaded down with? Philippians 4.8 says, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. I think I've told you this story before, but I'll go ahead and tell it again because it illustrates a good point. Many years ago in college, for some reason, Victoria's Secret got the Oklahoma Christian on their mailing list. And there was Victoria's Secret catalogs in every single mailbox on campus. I know I worked in the mailroom. It was quite the buzz amongst the male students in particular. Running, looking to see if Victoria's Secret had blessed them in the mailbox. I went back to my room, and in my room there were four college-age dudes lusting over a Victoria's Secret catalog. And my roommate, Craig, was not. He was at his desk doing something else. They said, Craig, Craig, man, come over here, look at this. He said, no, guys, I don't need that in my head. What was he doing there? He was keeping himself from mental baggage. He, he knew it wasn't, it wasn't going to be helpful in his spiritual walk. 
He knew that it wasn't going to help his problem and his tendency toward lust. So he kept away from it, which is a wise thing to do. Maybe you have relational baggage. You may need to defriend some people that you're friends with on Facebook. You know, just everything they post stirs your ire up. And you start to type this brilliant post. And in my case, I go, "Uh, I'm the preacher. I probably shouldn't do that. Why are you still friends with them? They bring all this godless stuff. And you say, did you see this or that? And my question is, why are you still connected with them? Stop it. It's relational baggage. Proverbs 13.20 says, Whoever walks with the wise becomes wise, but the companion of fools suffers harm. Close the chapter on the toxic people in your life. You've got to let that stuff go. Maybe it's material baggage where you've let all your stuff have you instead of you having some stuff. Jesus said, take care and be on your guard against all covetousness, for one's life does not consist in the abundance of his possessions. Maybe it's emotional baggage. Maybe you just revel in the worrying. And the worrying is not good. It doesn't steal tomorrow of its sorrows. It only empties today of its strength. Stop worrying. Be still. Philippians 4, 6, and 7, do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Can I ask you this morning to do a little simple exercise? There's plenty of room to do it. Will you all stand, please? It was not in the budget to give every single person one of these, so I just need to ask you to pretend. Would you please hold out your hands to your side and pretend like those are weighed down with lots of baggage? Mental baggage, emotional baggage, relational baggage, materialistic baggage. This morning, I just want to ask you to close your eyes. I want you to ask yourself why you are holding on to that which God never asked you to carry. And if you can, as you think about what you're holding on to, and as you ask yourself why, I'm just going to ask you to open your hands and release your baggage. Just pretend like a hundred pounds has left your hands. Now, as you sit there with open hands and eyes closed, will you pray with me? Father in heaven, we confess to you that we carry far more than you ever intended us to carry. And that it's our own fault. We have messed up our priorities. And as life goes swirling out of control, we find ourselves hunting for our baggage instead of letting it go. We we seek out more luggage to carry instead of letting you take it for us. Instead of taking up that light and easy yoke, 
We take up all the heavy ones that are making life miserable. Father, this morning, there are people who need to let some stuff go. And maybe that's right there in the pew. But maybe it's this morning they need the prayers of a whole congregation who can help them and who will lift their hands when they're too tired. Father, maybe there are some here who need to end a relationship or to to sell some stuff or, or to get rid of all the garbage they're putting in their mind. Father, I pray this morning, whether they stand in their pew and do it as they sing, or whether they come down front and ask our shepherds to, to engage with them in prayer, I pray that we all as a congregation will learn to let our baggage go. That we will let you lead us. And that we will walk a journey that is light but is purposeful. Father, may we seek you with all of our heart, with all of our soul, with all of our mind, with all of our strength. May we seek your kingdom. And may we forget about all the other stuff, which takes a far, far distant second. Thank you for your love, Father. And thank you for being full of second chances. Help us this morning to give us one ourselves as we let go. Father, I pray. For open hands, I pray more for open hearts. Help us to let go that we may take hold of the life that is truly life. And we pray this all through your Son, who is the only shot we have at life. He is the only way back to you. Father, we we need him and we need you. Hear our prayer this morning and thank you for allowing us to let go that we might hold on. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. This morning, if you need to let some stuff go, won't you come as together we stand and sing.